Good morning. I am excited to be talking to you this morning. I don't know of uh, any better way to start a morning than to talk to my very few listeners. <laughs> no, it is wonderful to uh, to start the morning in a way like this. I decided I'm going to be perhaps more informal. I was listening to some other podcasts and I kind of took cues that maybe I could, you know, if I lighten it up a bit and make it a little less complicated, then maybe it wouldn't be as difficult for you guys to follow me because my, my trains of thought can be epic. So apologize for that. Anyway, what has been happening in the last few weeks? Well, I have uh, three-month-old twins at home, so I've been somewhat busy and occupied. I haven't really updated anything since... Oh, when was the last time? It would have been... I think I did a few weeks ago. But anyway, here we are, episode 17. And I'm going to uh, discuss kind of some books I've been reading the last while that have kind of got my mind thinking. I've done a, I've, I've listened to a lot of uh, eschatological... Uh, I can't even say the word. Eschatological... The, I can't even say that. Okay, let's just say it this way. Eschatology. So I think the term would be eschatological or something like that. Um, books by different Christian authors. And I was kind of fascinated with, with, with some of the, uh, the thoughts. Uh, one of the books I was reading was Joel, uh, Joel Richardson's um, Islamic Antichrist. And I also did his When a Jew Rules the World. I'm actually in the middle of his Islamic Antichrist. I read his book, When a Jew Rules the World, and also Mystery Babylon. And I have to say, he's got some really thought-provoking uh, questions that he uh, poses in the books. It's it's from a little bit different angle than a lot of the guys uh, who who are who I guess you would say study eschatology uh, would be would be coming from guys that I've studied before, um, and I know there's more out there, but. People like Joel Rosenberg. Um, I know John Hagee has done some. Um, what are some of the other books? I think here I've I've done a lot of different ones. I can't think of them all. Well, he would have had the, the Left Behind series back in the day. And Wally Chubat. Wally Chubat has some interesting stuff. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, there's a lot of different ideas of which way it could go, what could be done. I really found Joel Rich, uh, Joel Richardson's books to be thought-provoking. I I really like that he he doesn't really come from a dogmatic standpoint. He comes from an observational standpoint, if I can put it that way. Um, he doesn't come from a super uh, super uh, sational. Or a like ultra sensationalism. It's not really spinning together a huge tale. It's more just you know this is what the Bible says and this is what we see and this is you know reality. And I I like it. I do. I do like his books. Uh, some of the thoughts I would have is in Mystery Babylon. You know he is speaking about uh, Saudi Arabia being the harlot, and it says that the beast will destroy the harlot. So. Interesting thought there. If you look at Saudi Arabia, the the massive uh, expenditures and just unbelievable amount of money that goes around with people connected to Saudi Arabia, whether government leaders or whatever business leaders, there's just 
around Saudi Arabia, around the royal family, there's expenditure the likes of which is unheard of anywhere else in the world. And we kind of you kind of overlook it, which is what was uh, prophesied about the harlot, that the multitudes of her um, iniquities and also the, the unbelievable expenditure that the world will just basically not notice. But the world will notice and that the beast would destroy it. I tend to not get too wrapped up into eschatology because I know that there's always a uh, alternative outcome possible, and that is that we would be blindsided by a different uh, a different understanding. I guess an example would be when Jesus came, very few uh, perceived what he was doing, even though they were studied men. They were people who knew the Torah, that knew the Tanakh, um, some of them by heart, and they still could not discern what was being done at the time. And it was blindness. And that blindness, um, in part, okay, when I say that, it's in part, because there were Jews that definitely believed the disciples were of those group, but it was done in part. And so I, I look at that, and I think, okay, Sadducees, Pharisees, Sadducees had corrupted themselves. There was no question uh, there's no question there by way of the wealth and everything they got. But the Pharisees were not really that way in that time frame. Pharisees were just definitely more small-scale small, small scale, um, groups and, and schools and things like that. They weren't necessarily uh, the priestly elite, if you will. But I think that it's important um, to note, you know, that it's that Jesus came and was amongst the Pharisaic groups uh, the most, which is where he would have come out of. But anyway, having said that, they, they missed the significant points of what was prophesied before. So the question is, even if we search the matter, are we missing something that's right in front of us that we can't see? And I think a lot of times what happens in eschatology is we focus on the, the ill. We focus on the evil and the calamity more than we focus on the ultimate goal, um, which is Jesus coming back and being united with his bride. And that's what it's all about. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. A friend of mine, um, he's an older gentleman, had had uh, a surgery done life-threatening. He had a life-threatening condition, was actually expected that he could pass away, but they did a procedure and it worked. But as as he was doing that, he had he had several, uh, several times, he had a repeat vision I, I'm not hearing this firsthand. I'm hearing this secondhand, but but I know the content is accurate. I just don't know. I'm probably leaving a lot of details out. But he basically one of the things he saw is he the Lord showed him the whole world, and he showed him uh, in its original form as it was created. And then he he makes the statement that I did this for my son, and. You know, I think if we really want to boil it down, we boil all the religion down, all the pretense away, everything else, I think it's standing in front of us. A glaring picture is just that. That it's really about the bride. It's really about a wedding. And several months ago, I had uh, been asked to speak at a church, and I spoke about uh, just that very thing that it's really about a wedding. And I think we get distracted. I think I think we can take our eyes off of what God's ultimate goal is. 
Yes, he will destroy his enemies. Yes, he will pour out his wrath. Yes, there'll be signs in the heavens and, and all these things. But the end of it, the end of all of it, is uh, him joining his bride. So I think it's it's a healthy to retain that perspective. Having said that, I think it is important that we understand what's happening, what could happen. Uh, some of the things I've I've been thinking of as I was reading these books and going through is that there's, without question, probably the the the, the latter prophets, the the prophets in the Old Testament, if we want to call it that, uh, are probably the most. Uh, underread books in the Bible because it's in those books that we really unwrap and uncover uh, the intention, what God is doing, the plan, if I can say it that way. Now, when Jesus was here, he gave us this wonderful, uh, the wonderful words that were written down by the New Covenant writers who who wrote t- letters to the to the early believers to help explain and understand what the new covenant was about because they were uh, obviously mi- missing it and misinterpreting it misunderstanding it and i think it's important to recognize that that the new covenant can be easily undermined by personal ambition personal thoughts uh, our own our own way uh, the the understanding um, and the practicing, if you will, of the new covenant is something that is um, something that has to be done on a spiritual level, and I think many people are probably have not experienced that. But it all points it all points to a wedding, and what I had read when I had given that talk was was some interesting verses that I found as I read, I looked through it and it really came about because I was going through uh, the Talmud. Now I know that's a controversial book for some people, but I I wanted to read it. I wanted to go and and study it just because I wanted to see what was in it. I didn't feel there was any harm in that. And one of the, what I found, it kind of surprised me that a huge portion uh, of the Talmud is really, really dealing with uh, sexual morality. And it's dealing with adultery, it's dealing with fornication, it's dealing with how to deal with these things. And it, it asked the question uh, to myself, you know, why is, why is this such a big deal? Like even the Jewish people recognize that this is probably one of the bigger issues of their time. And later, even Jesus addresses it, uh, Paul addresses it, they, they address this as a major issue. And it got me thinking, um, why, why the importance there? Like, what, why the, uh, how would I say this? Like, is there something, let me put it this way. Is there something in that, that I'm not seeing because of, uh, blindness? And I, and I, I kind of felt that the Lord gave me a, a little bit of an understanding uh, or a little glimpse into this. And as I presented to them that when we really go back and we look at what happened with the children of Israel, you know, it started with Abraham and the covenant was made with Abraham between um, Abraham and God. And 
as a friend of mine who in our last Israel trip said that there was a uh, person out of, I forget what uh, state, but did a, spend a, did a PhD in covenants. And I really want to get a hold of his theses. Um, but basically said that, you know, the t- way covenants were done in that time, there's, there's remnants of, of the early covenant system in every culture in the world. But what Abraham did was truly a, a relevant covenant that had was being practiced in that time between him and God. The, the covenant point was when he had the vision of the burning, burning lamp and God himself made a covenant with himself to death because the covenant, the only way a covenant could be broken was death. And he made a covenant with himself to death that he would hold up his end of this covenant. And as we would go on, Abraham is obviously the father of, of our faith. Now, this is an important word. He's the father of our faith. In Hebrews, it, it says that he is the, the father of our faith. And and I think it's important because we now live in a time when we have uh, religious uh, titles, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. Okay. These are religious boxes, if you will. And inside of each box is a preset determined uh, line of thinking with its own theology and doctrines. I think, however, that that is incorrect, because what happens is, what happens is we are walking away from faith, which is ultimately what it's about. Now, I'm not justifying anything the other religions are doing. There is some. There's. A, there is a God has His way. But what I'm saying is, in Christianity, you obviously have different ideas. You have different groups who believe different ways who perhaps are sorely mistaken. Um, in Judaism, you also have preset notions and things, and they have different uh, interpretations, understandings that isolate them from other groups of faith. In Islam, I believe, is just a complete, uh, if you will, twisting of the word of God and the will of God. And it's a distortion that the enemy is using to do just what he said he would do, and that is to ascend the hill of the Lord. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but the last time I checked, standing where the temple stood is the Muslim Dome of the Rock and also the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So our adversary is obviously trying to fulfill the words he said. He said, I will ascend the hill of the Lord. Well, the hill of the Lord is, is that hill from a physical standpoint, who controls that space? It is the Jordanians. Uh, it is a Muslim nation. And I don't think that's an accident. But that's another that's another subject. But anyway, but, but in, in looking at this, okay, so there's a covenant made with him. There's different covenants. God made promises to Isaac, to Jacob, changed his name from Jacob to Israel because he said he's, uh, that is how you will be called. So that's where we get the name Israel, which means the father of many. And it, it, do, it also goes to show that God promised Abraham many nations, not just a nation, many nations. So Abrahamic nations exist in this world, more than one. The promised nation, though, is Israel. But he is the father of nations, plural. I think it's important to to make that distinction. But anyway, coming down through Isaac, we go to the children of Israel uh, have their happenings. And this is where the Bible's written, okay? These people are, God is revealing himself to these people through generations. 
And we read about it now and see the picture. But they didn't. So the question is, what was this thing that they had that tied them to the story? If I can, if I hope that makes sense. It's faith. Faith is what tied them to the story. Not Judaism, not Christianity, not Islam. It was faith. And they walked with God and he was their God and they were his people, but they broke the covenant. We'll skip forward a few hundred years. They broke the covenant in, in Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, and then Ezekiel. They are speaking to that situation because Israel walked away from the covenant. They walked away from what uh, they were instructed to do. And God said, enough. And he said, I gave them a bill of divorcement. Now, the problem is, I mean, according to Jewish law, if you do a divorce, uh, you can never be remarried to that person ever. Uh, if you put her away, then she is put away. Well, God had made a covenant to death. And it just so happens the only way to release himself from the bill of divorcement was also death. So you see, he needed to come and to die. In that, he also completed the law and the covenants. Um, when I say completed, fulfilled. Fulfilled doesn't mean completed, put away. It just means that they are fulfilled. And there's we are walking in fulfillment of it. Not that it's put away. And I think there's a huge, uh, a huge importance in this picture. Because here's Jesus. And, and coming back to what I was saying about the Talmud. All of the, the ways that you were supposed to talk a person, uh, a person, a woman who had committed adultery out of taking the right before God. Drinking a bitter cup that would literally eat her from inside out and kill her before everyone. That is what Jesus did. His law. He followed his law to the death. And he drank the cup that was full of the sin of the world. It was full of our it was full of our adultery. It was full of our fornication. Not a physical one, a spiritual one. In the lineage of faith, if I can call it that. It's what we call the root. The lineage of faith. And because we're tied in. Christianity is, is an Abrahamic religion, so it, it, we tie into the faith of Abraham. Judaism ties into the faith of Abraham. Islam ties into the faith. Just because we tie in the faith doesn't make us right. What makes us right is listening to the voice of God. And I think that has been the missing key. But anyway, let me, let me, finish. Let me finish this thought. So if we go to... Uh, and we skip forward. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes the cup. He realizes it's the Father's will. He drinks the cup. And in doing so, he makes the sacrifice for the adultery of his bride. Now, God had declared Israel to be his bride before that point. We believe the church is the bride. We say that's the bride of Christ because the Testament writers wrote about that. It's true. But Jesus was also, um, he existed before, um, not as and not as a man born, but he existed in heaven. And it says uh, that he was the creator of the world, that he created the world. And so 
the question, the question, I guess, if we, if we look at this, I hope it's not too confusing, but you know, you look at all of this and then Jesus afterward, he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, Matthew 24 or Luke 11 or 12 or somewhere, maybe it's 13. And he discusses all of this question and he's like, um, He's saying, look, you're going to have, there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be troubles. You're going to see sorrow. You're going to see a, uh, if you will, a holocaust, the likes of which the world has never seen. There almost be complete destruction of all flesh. It's, and he said, unless the Lord shortened the days, the very elect would be saved. Supersessionists would believe that elect is Christians. Uh, but Jesus was not referring to Christians. There. He was referring to his Jewish people. Um, and so you look at the sacrifice Jesus made and look at what he did. And he took that cup. He took the cup that we, uh, that is, was filled with our sins, filled with our, uh, adultery and wickedness and fornication so that we could be made free to again, marry, uh, marry the groom. And at the end of all these things, everything that will come to pass, everything that the Lord has set out prophetically, it has so many dynamic layers that are beautiful and terrifying. But at the end of all of it, there will be a celebration, the likes of which we have never, ever experienced. And that is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And here is the coming together, the culmination of the purpose of why we live on this earth. So I want to encourage you to consider that there's always more to a story than what meets the eye. And we are the people of faith because by faith we receive the Messiah. By faith he forgives our sins. By faith we walk in his ways. And it's only through faith that he is pleased. And as people of faith, we continue in the very root that was planted by Abraham and his faith, and through that, we grow into fruitful branches. So be encouraged today. Thank you for listening. I will try to update more often if I can. I'm actually thinking about switching to video. Um, I thought about it. I don't know if I will or not. So anyway, thank you, and have an excellent week.